0: That's where the the fun or the joy comes from me, when you see that sort of moment where someone goes, wow, now this this is going to transform the way we do this. I wish we'd had this on this project.
1: Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry. Exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights, and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humour in there for you as well. I'm your guide, Peter Sumpton, and I run a construction technology marketing agency, Build Different. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's, it's probably not going to be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional or just part of the construction industry in general, this podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed Inspired and of course connected. Speaking of connected, the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five star review wherever you download your podcasts. Right then, let's go and build different and get disruptive. A picture is worth a thousand words. This was a statement invented by an advertising executive, Fred R. Bernard in 1921 we've come a little bit further than static images in the 102 years since then with technological advances within both digital and imagery 3d is now a reality virtual walkthroughs are possible and project management what was once lines on a spreadsheet or even a piece of paper can be brought to life in a visual presentation backed by data There are so many visual tools available, it's difficult to keep track. And with the exponential growth and development in AI, this doesn't look like stopping anytime soon. We are just beginning. This is not to say that all of them will stand the test of time. History tells us that the cream will always rise to the top, even when there's little competition. Think Betamax and VHS, HD DVD and Blu-ray or PlayStation and Xbox, still battling it out. But how does this happen? Is it simply survival of the fittest, the best tech wins out, or do we look to the experts to make these types of decisions for us, and we simply follow? Within construction, it is never that simple, as one size never fits all. So what we tend to rely on are people who know more about the tech than we do. People who can spot the good from the bad in terms of what is right for a particular organization and for particular scenarios. This is where our guest joins the party. Today, we're joined by Derek Lawrence, a chartered building service engineer and reality capture consultant with experience in the design and operation of the built environment. Derek advises organisations on the benefits and practical implementation of reality capture, AR, VR and photogrammetry technologies. Derek, in his own words, is absorbed with the idea that reality capture will positively impact the way we design and shape our built environment. And as you can imagine, Derek has a wide and deep understanding of evolving digital tools and techniques that will improve the way we design, cure, build, operate, and decommission our built environment. But we can go a little further than this, as Derek is equally interested in the artistic misuse of technology, providing a, what's the point in this technology approach to his work? Or as Derek likes to summarize, I play with technology. Derek, did I miss anything off that? And welcome to the podcast.
0: No, I, I just uh, it was uh, a, <laughs> I was just thinking, oh yeah, no, I no I do that. That is yeah, that's what I do. No, that's good. That's a pretty good summary. So thank you for that introduction, Peter. Much appreciated. And thanks for inviting me along.
1: Excellent. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you so much for for joining us. I'm really looking forward to this because um it's it's got a lot of uh photogrammetry words in that I can't pronounce or or even spell. So this should be really really interesting. Um so let let's let's kick this off and start with with kind of the basics. So I'm gonna try not to insult anyone's intelligence here, yours or any of the listeners, but on a basic level, uh, most tech that utilizes photography or imagery will follow the basic capture, compute, create. Uh, But within each technology, there are nuances and differentiations that provide various benefits that others don't and and, and some are, are very comparable. So let's start at the very beginning Beginning. and what is photogrammetry
0: yeah so well photogrammetry um is loosely the process of creating a 3d model or 3d representation of reality um, by taking photos um and uh yeah so the the, the workflow to doing or cre- recreating something um in 3d is simply take a load of pictures of something in a, in a non i mean when you take these photos so you take them in a way that you wouldn't take your holiday photos um so yes. you take hundreds of photos of pretty much the same thing with the same mm-hmm. thing in most of the photos so a key to photogrammetry or successful use of it is to have overlap between the photos and that's important because the computer um then takes those photos Finds key points that are, you know, unique to those photos or common points, and then magically works out where all the photos were taken from, uh, which is sort of like the triangulation process, and then is able to reconstruct a, initially a point cloud on that, so lots of dots, and then um, that can then be all those dots can then be joined up into a mesh, and then given the color from the photos, so that's the realism. So you get the shape. Um, and then you apply the texture to the shape and that will create for intents and purposes um yeah a, a 3d representation of reality um so that is photogrammetry um interesting that sort of the the photogrammetry was i think probably from from my experience of um doing it something where people said i need to recreate i need a 3d representation of this how can i do it um Laser scanning at the time, you know, when this all came about, was was a, like an expensive um, way to do things, and uh, where you had to buy an expensive tool. But most people had some sort of camera and were able to take do the the capture part of it. Um, the software was mm-hmm. pricey, but that's sort of changed now. Um, so, um, you know, take some photos and create a 3D model. But who's that's pretty accessible, uh, provided you know it exists and you can say photogrammetry because you do have to say. <laughs> <very
1: fine>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I was, um, yeah, d- doing my, my my voice stretches this morning, saying that a lot. <laughs> uh, so, is is it is it similar to to the likes of um, Google Maps, where you know you can go into the map and and and, and see it? Uh, I think there's a slight difference, but is it similar to that?
0: yeah um you know so this is you know the, what how how the the 3d representation within sort of a, a google earth or google maps um is created really um by combining okay. pictures aerial photos uh, normally um to build up a, a 3d representation um of the of the planet so that that is exactly um what's going on in the background there um and you know a lot of um computer game uh, uh products now will be created using photogrammetry as a starting point Um, it used to be the uh, way that you'd have to create uh, an object in a piece of modeling software like a 3d modeling piece of software then apply textures and things to it and and color it in and and the art was getting that as realistic as possible where a bit like the art of painting is perhaps if you're trying to do a a portrait is to try and represent someone in paint. There's a sort of an inherent skill in there. It's someone's job. Um, Mm. Whereas um, the photogrammetry version of it is take a lot of photos and let the computer um, build you a 3D representation that's got a level of realism to it. Um, So, yeah.
1: Okay. So although you said that that it's not how we take holiday photos and, you know, I'd say the majority of us unless you my dad use a phone for doing, for doing that nowadays um so yeah we' we won't go down that route because we'll be here forever um but i'm I'm pretty sure I've seen somewhere on the internet uh you did actually take holiday photos in a similar style or fashion, or you created something at least that was very different to your standard holiday photos. I probably put you on the spot with that, but I did actually watch it
0: yeah no well um that was um that was part because you know so i i permanently don't know what i'm doing um i'm uh i'm interested in this world but um i know i don't know enough so uh and i think for for this sort of reality capture world there's not really a a reality capture university degree you can do perhaps perhaps it will mm. be in the future but um but right now it's not there so everything you do you see and you go i have to try this and i have to work out where its limitations are by really seeing where it fails and did it fail because of me or did it fail because you've reached the limitation of whatever that workflow is so so the, mm-hmm. the holiday photo video you talk about um was really me going well i could take pictures of these things in a in a standard holiday photo way oh there's a nice castle snap there's a nice picture of the thing snap um or i could um create a model for everything i see that's of interest so i was literally um going along and doing photogrammetry um uh, type models of objects as i went along and then yeah rather than putting them into a a slideshow um then yeah i put them into a a fly-through animation so you know there's a random selection i think i think the one you're on about is a big owl um, and then yes. you sort of go in through the head of the owl. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit random, but it's literally the owl became the container for all the things in no particular order. Um, possibly a slightly more engaging way of telling the story of where you've been to. But the re- main reason I was doing it was because I didn't know how to do it. Um, and so the output is right. a combination of my learning exercise across across the holiday. Um, and, you know, having the family going, what are you doing? Why can't you <laughs> yeah so yeah. so it's trying to be efficient with it so efficient that i didn't get in too much trouble um wasting wasting time um but uh, yeah that's that's exactly it so yeah so perhaps <laughs> it could be holiday photos and and perhaps it will be you know i, I certainly yeah. now one of the biggest use cases i'm finding you know when i'm on not working um is actually taking pictures of birthday cakes So birthday cakes <laughs> are often beautiful they're often um you know there as a picture or a video blowing some candles out but the actual beauty of the cake which may be an expensive piece of art in some cases Mm. is sort of gone um and and even the person that made it has probably just got a photo of it and i think the the question is why wouldn't you take you know 50 photos of it or not even photos you know we don't really do this photogrammetry stuff quickly with photos we hit video record a video go around the cake and then let the let the computer take the stills out of the video and and reconstruct it and yeah it's it's a piece of cake it takes about two two minutes to copy a cake and it's there forever then
1: that's brilliant I love that that's that, that's ingenious I'm just thinking I, of, of all the yeah. times you, you see a photo of a cake and it's never as good like you said as, as seeing it in 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 3d or, or, or being there at the time because there's well, it's, you know it's cylindrical so there's many there's many sides to it um I really but, you know, like that why aren't
0: the why wouldn't people making cakes do this so where, before yeah. they deliver the cake to you in the box say i've done the cake now and i'll text you i can text you mm. a cake an image of a cake and you can open it on your table where you were going to put it for the party and go oh, oh it's big isn't it or, oh yeah it's not big mm. is it <laughs> um and, oh, uh, no. uh, and
1: no, no, not just that, though, but, you know, f- f- from both sides of that argument, not argument, but both sides of that, that idea, it's that one, you've got somebody making a cake and and they've got that additional util- utilization of technology for communication and and, and uh, better comms. And then on the other side, you've got the, the person that's buying the cake that it could be just a, a small thing, you know, oh, can you make that hat blue, not... Not red, a t- tiny little little piece, you know, that that, that yeah. would make a difference to them. And they're not arriving at your door, and you're opening it and going, "That's amazing," but mm. I wish it was red, and not yeah. yellow. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and
0: and what we're sort of discovering, and even you know, in a, although we didn't know we were talking about cake at the start of this, but uh, you know, <laughs> ultimately the the, and this is what fascinates me about this sort of reality capture type um, work um in in that it is absolutely universally useful to everyone mm. um there you know that we're, we're talking about how to send a cake to someone so they can have a look at it i mean why couldn't you say the cake's red oh not that red oh right okay <laughs> you know we're having a discussion about something and ultimately saving embarrassment you know and you, know, and you can take mm. that that could be a cake discussion or it could be a discussion about moving a Massive piece of equipment from one manufacturing facility to another, and saying does it does it fit? Have we checked this? Because this could be you know expensive, um, and it could be sort of mm. a grown up use case of it. But you know why wouldn't you use it for the other stuff? Because the actual process isn't different.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think we <laughs> no, see that a in, in a it, it, we see it in a lot of technologies, don't we? That they work both ways. One, it, it starts with a, a simplistic idea that that's grown and developed into something that helps larger. In, in in bigger industries if you like or the other way around where you know you hear it time and time again that nasa were using this thing that's developed into this thing and it gets smaller and smaller until it's more commercialized and then lo and behold you're lying on a mattress that you know once a spacesuit kind of concept or whatever it might be um w- yeah. which brings me nicely onto something that, that that is of interest to me and all technology has an, an entry point and like we we're just saying, that can kind of scale up or, or, or scale da- down. And it depends on your own knowledge and the equipment and how far that equipment can, can go, like you you just said. Uh, so if if somebody wanted to get into this kind of tech with 3D and uh, photogrammetry and, and all that kind of stuff, what's the what's the technology behind that makes this stuff work? What do we need? And and what are the main barriers that we might come across?
0: Well, I mean, I think, again, this is where it's interesting. And this is why, you know, I think at least I've got a job at the moment um, is because the barriers to entry are are just fallen. Um, So if we talk about photogrammetry, um, for example, so when I first looked at photogrammetry, um, I was happy cause I could start because I had a camera, I had a, you know, a phone camera or an SLR okay. camera to take the pictures. Um, I was fortunate at the time I was working for a company that had a sort of a software license, um, for some of the photogrammetry software, because it was, you know, a really expensive tool. So there's a barrier to entry, um, was, you know, was the software cost two or 3000 pounds a year for something, you know, for for copy and cake. Um, you know, you might not make that much a year on cake, um, so you know that would be that would get your cake use case out the door straight away. Um, but that was the barrier um, to it, and then you know computing power. So you needed a, a decent computer to be able to do all these calculations to work out where the where the photos were taken. Um, right. But roll forward to today, um, I or we could, whilst we're on this call, we could um, get onto our phones, onto Google Play or the App Store and we could download um, a piece of software like Polycam or um, a free piece of software like Scanniverse. And that would, um, you'd install that on your phone and it would prompt you to start taking pictures. It even gives you sort of like a visual guide of how you should be taking pictures of the object. You would record video, take pictures on your phone. Um, most people have a, some sort of camera phone these days. Um, mm-hmm. And then hit process. And it would either process on device or send it to the cloud to process. Um, And, you know, in five or 10 minutes, you'd have a a 3D model, which you can text to someone else. and They can open in augmented reality on on their desk, or they could look at um, what the model. So actually the barriers to entry are currently limited by what is, what is photogrammetry? What is this? Can I, I can throw (laughs) that with my phone. So the barriers to entry are really knowing that it exists, you know, like i say scaniverse is completely free um that can use wow. the ice uh, cool. the phone lidar sensor if you've got um, a lidar sensor but if not don't worry because um, just photogrammetry which is just photographs then it can it supports that and yeah you can go off and what and what that should be doing you know assuming people have you know know it's there it should mm-hmm. be then prompting people to use it and go oh that didn't work why didn't that work or that's really good but i'd like a higher resolution i'd like a more complex version i don't want to copy uh, a cake i want to copy a room i want to copy a building mm-hmm. i want to copy a city i want to copy a continent um you know then then you start um then the barriers to entry um, become higher but because the tools you're using are uh, you know slightly more sophisticated but knowing you can even do it is the barrier to entry at the moment okay so
1: yeah cool so so, so hopefully people that are, are listening will at least give it a go and then they'll, they'll understand the the simplicity or complexities of, of 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 what goes with that in terms of in terms of the technology and the equipment i know we, we've mentioned a few apps there and we can utilize our phone how advanced are, are, are these are these things have we got a long way to go with it Or are we coming to almost a a point in time where there needs to be a giant leap forward or a step change in this kind of tech that we're using?
0: Yeah, um, well, I think, you know, there is this change is happening even within
1: um, this
0: market. So, um, you know, photogrammetry. has been around for a while, um, albeit you know not phone photogrammetry, but it, it's here now. Um, what's more interesting at the moment are uh, you know in, sort of AI enhancements of photogrammetry uh, that might be called um, nerfs or Gaussian splats, but you know loosely these are um, techniques where you don't necessarily have to have all the data to reconstruct something. So filling in the gaps, AI filling in the gaps to reconstruct objects um, is sort of fascinating. Um, it means you know, perhaps you need to be less thorough in the way you capture things. But it also means you can use historical resources where you know somebody might have rec- recorded a video of a, you know, a seaside town in the 1920s. And you're now able to reconstruct 3D models of that town from historic video. Which is sort wow. of mind-blowing, really. Yeah. So you could go and have a look around a place in 3D, which you only had a sort of a grainy video of from <laughs> the past. Yeah. So, which sort of makes you wonder what they're going to be able to do with the, the, you know, the, you know, the endless photos that I've got captured on my iCloud account now, or you know, in in a hundred years from now, what, what on earth, mm-hmm. what on earth will we be able to do with this historical data? Um, I think in terms of where it's going that's sort of you know and it will be you know the tools to capture environments the it'll it'll be wearable tech that you're just wearing as a, a matter of course you know perhaps you'll be wearing some sort of augmented reality glasses um and as those augmented reality glasses are you know measuring the environment to give you information feedback perhaps at the same time they're also sending data about what you're seeing and then, you know, recreating 3D representations of the world you're in instantly. So somebody walks <laughs> down a street um, and there's a new 3D model of that street recreated and updated and perhaps compared to what that street was like, you know, five minutes before. You know, with a driverless oh, vehicle going through a, a centre of a town, if a dog runs out into the street, um, then, you know, perhaps the avoidance of the dog will be well first car sees dog sends an updated instantly created 3d model of that environment the way the dog ran out and tells the car behind it there's a new model being created and then the car breaks <laughs> and avoids that you know perhaps that's where it is that's but then so we're talking about limitations now and how fast we can get from start to end from observing something to having an output and then doing something mm. with that but that it's getting squashed and squashed and squashed and squashed all the time um so yeah and even yes, with, you know, like i say go back to photogrammetry which was take a load of pictures download it off the sd card put it on your computer fire up that piece of software run that <laughs> software go home wait for the next day realize it's failed do it again another day goes by and <laughs> Uh, and then you've got something that nobody can view because it's massively complicated. To yeah, uh, I just got my phone out and looked at the cake. Go back to cake again. Go around the cake <laughs> the video. Ten minutes, it's done. Share it with whoever you want. Um, that's a yeah. Video, it, short.
1: It, it, one one thing that that I find really interesting is, and and you can find loads of articles like this, and they usually do with like Star Wars or Star Trek or or some kind of. 80s or 90s futuristic program and it it's it, things like you know the, the the top 10 things that were in Doctor Who that are now a reality and and it's weird because those things now we take for granted but just 15 20 years ago they were they were just on Doctor Who they were just a Star wars thing or whatever whatever it might be uh, but now they're just they're just part of our standard normal reality that we you know that we take for for granted so um there was a report by autodesk that said with with all this kind of tech that we should always begin with an end in mind going back to the very start of the intro you know saying what is the point in this technology um and and that that the the way we use it it should always be actionable or lead to at least further actions or have some value and benefit to a, a project if we if we link it back to construction so what would be a a standard if there is a standard but what would be a a standard process here from kind of the decision to use technology to the end result
0: yeah so um i completely disagree with that view from autodesk (laughs) okay um, uh, and the reason i say that um you've got to you you start with an end in mind but actually if nobody really understands what you're doing at the start then you can't have an end in mind because you don't really mm-hmm. it, people haven't had chance to see it and understand it and 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 and, the, and know where it's going so and this i just start lots of things with no end in mind and i and i and this is like the fail fast type thing so i start okay. doing something um and you know i, I don't know where that will go you know i often start things because i think i wonder whether that would work um mm-hmm. and, and but then then people say oh could you use it for this and you go ah right and now we're now we're doing brief discovery now um but before we did this thing which may be ridiculous um then you didn't even know that was existed or perhaps didn't allow enough time for you to think uh, about it and and this is you know so this is sort of you know the the formula to quite a lot of the content i create it's sort of pointless really um it doesn't mean you're not allowed to ask what's the point later but it's sort of Mm -hmm. pointless for the hook that lets people go that's ridiculous why would you do that it's quite impressive though i wonder whether it could be used for this you know why would you Mm. why would you go down uh, a log flume With a laser scanner you know what is the point what are you going to get from that other than a a wet laser scanner possibly some broken technology um well it it, it might not work it might work i don't know whether it'll work and the opportunity arose so why wouldn't you why wouldn't you do that but you know if it can map a log flume as you're going down the slide and and, and map that world as you go through it definitely going to be able to do an office and you don't have any plans of your office And your office has got some fire evacuation challenges and you need to look at and share that idea that 3d um problem with with someone how how would you do that and then once you've copied that then perhaps you want to know once you've implemented the change how how well those changes work or what actually you've changed and then you get into this you know this oh could we do this with it could we do with this with it yeah probably um i'm glad you asked the question though so I think sometimes you have to start things with no end in mind to allow people mm-hmm. to observe and go, ah, could you do this with it? And then then you generate the, the what's the point um, retrospectively. Don't get me wrong. And you I, can't live your life completely like that. But I think there is something to be said for just getting on with things and then seeing what happens.
1: And I, I suppose if you do have an end in mind, then you are putting a limitation on what could possibly be. And and you could potentially be boxing yourself in, and just focusing on where you feel the limitations are, rather than jumping on that log flume and seeing what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Or yeah, so perhaps you, perhaps the, or perhaps when you say the end in mind, perhaps the end in mind has to be loose. Like it would be Mm -hmm. nice to create a digital copy of the log flume. Why? Because it because it's interesting because it's just an interesting shape uh, uh you know and you can get your basic use case for reality capture about from just adge- understanding adjacencies where things are you know where is the is the top you know, i imagine the bit where before you go up the log flume and drop down that's lower than where you start because the water has to flow around right so but how much lower is it and how long is that mm. how how much How much do you have to drop before you get to the start? Perhaps there's some design guidance on it, but if if you don't know what that design guidance is, if it works there, and that's a metre and a half over 500 metres, then well, that works. That's empirical, isn't it? So, and I think there's a lot that can be done in sort of our you know built environment from just observing what's there and we say this we see this with organic design where people say well you know this was inspired by sort of this tree or this plant or or whatever you know and it's sort of the same really you saying well if I could measure that and capture it then I can analyze it and then then we can sort of you know do whatever you want um, uh, with that no- new knowledge that you've got.
1: Mm. Okay so I I can't, I can't leave without discussing examples here. You know, we've we've spoken about log flumes. We've spoken about cakes and holidays. Are there, uh, are there any projects that you've been involved in or are involved in or are going to be that you've seen a real benefit from using photogrammetry or, or, or the latest technology? And then do you have any more passion based projects or something that you've just done that's a bit of fun that's really interesting
0: yeah so i mean the i suppose the easiest one i mean my so my background is in construction um right so i spent a large portion of my life um designing you know heating and cooling systems for for buildings and then you know conveying that idea having to change that idea because it was not enough money for it or coordinating that idea um uh, with people and then putting it in and then once it was put in, validating it, make sure it was right. And then handing it over to someone else saying, right, this is yours now and for the next 60 mm-hmm. years. Um, off you go. So. So I've done quite a few projects now where the just in this in its simplest form. So um, feels like the construction design world has jumped for um BIM, bim this um, build information modeling quite quickly and, and i think from a design point of view that makes sense because ultimately at design stage what you're doing is you know trying not to collide with each other you're trying to coordinate the design in 3d and that's where historically things have failed the most useful bit of reality capture i've seen relating to the construction world that i've done on a number of jobs now is actually using um you know not lasers not really photogrammetry just using um straight video so 360 video um that you go to a site you walk around the site with a video upload it process it the processing is basically stripping 360 photos from that video Mm -hmm. and then positioning them automatically on a plan so there's nothing to be done by the user all the user has to do is say well i started at the front door to the building Walk around it in any route um, doesn't really matter because the computer um, is able to work out where the video recorders being for that journey and put things on the plan. It then means that you can say, all right, could you go and walk around that site and do the same thing again? Same process, walk around in a different route and it will bring up two 360 um, videos that have been taken side by side so you can spot the difference. And and you know so the technology to do this is it's quite advanced it, it puts these things aligns all this stuff for you mm. but in reality what you're doing is a straight spot the difference exercise um, and and the reason that's interesting is because you need to know what's changed um, as you're building sites or building um, things but you need to make it accessible and saying can you install this piece of software and use this piece of 3d tool to navigate round and get to the same place and you know that that's sort of intangible for a lot of people it doesn't enhance the way people um, do their jobs whereas this is you know so easy to use then it's instantly valuable then you can align mm-hmm. that 3d um those those pictures with models and, and do that so i'm doing a lot of that sort of stuff at the moment and saying this is so easy you should do this so there's no point in having um, technology that's just limited to use by specialists really you know you should we, these digital tools and techniques should be available to everyone really mm-hmm. so so that's that's um that's a project i i've been i'm working on a number of sites at the moment and uh, the sites obviously you know, people don't, um, yeah the, the sites are in various different places around the country um, but some quite high profile sites that just allow everyone to engage in that construction process and have their view during the process, rather than at the end, and that's you know when everyone draws their guns and gets
1: lawyers involved.
0: So um, yeah, that's that's really quite good. In terms of um, sort of, oh yeah, go on, carry on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say it, it. You know, it, it rings true of that that openness, transparency, and collaboration within construction uh, that, that can can fundamentally help uh, the whole industry. You know, if we all start to do that a little bit, a little bit more um and it it rings true to what you were just saying there um but i'm keen to know if there's any passion projects or something that's um i nearly said a bit more fun then but i'm not gonna go that i'm just gonna say so
0: that i mean that, that that is i suppose the fun comes from seeing how when people start using it and you go honestly it is as easy as i've just tried to explain you have a go and they do it and they go, yeah. This is brilliant. We're just going to use this everywhere now. So I think that's where the the fun or the joy comes from me when you see that sort of moment where someone goes, Wow, now this is transform this is going to transform the way we do this. I wish yes. we'd had this on this project. So that's um so that's where the joy. The um the joy project. So the joy projects I'm involved with, um, and joy projects that I want to do um in in, in future. So um you know one of my my current um projects i'm doing i'm creating a a replica a digital um copy of um old joe which is um uh a clock tower at birmingham university so um yeah, yeah. you wouldn't possibly know it but you might nope. see it a little bit more once this piece of work has been doing it, because it's the tallest freestanding clock tower in the world <laughs> so uh, oh, it's cool. a, you know on my doorstep in, in birmingham um amazing nice. building um a Lot of people go, Well, what's inside it? What, what is it? What is inside this tall structure? So, mm-hmm. um, so what I've been doing is I've been, I've been using sort of two almost experimental um, pieces of equipment, um, uh, to, to copy it. So, um, I've got a long range laser scanner, so it's got a range of between half a meter and a kilometer, um, for measuring um points on on buildings and creating a a point cloud the outsides of the building which is good because we don't want to be flying drones around sort of the university campus or that you can you know the, the risk of um getting into the air above a load of students is just not 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 cool um and then um and then the indoors because it's just a gnarly space actually what it is it looks like a tim burton movie inside it's just like a an impossible clock tower you'd expect joker and batman to be having a bit of a fist fight um inside on the staircase that's what it looks like inside um but quite tricky to copy because it's very vertical and it's quite com- com- compressed i've been using sort of uh like a, a tools that uh came out of the mining industry um for mapping um the insides of the building so you can see the you know all the staircases and the intricacies and you can just see how how much there is going on in this building that's like a 1903 Piece of engineering genius and the replica, what will it be used for? Well, a, a lot of people said, Why are you doing this? What will it be used for? Well, in its first case, it will be used um just to show people what it is in a way mm. they can go, Oh, right. I often wondered how you got outside. There's a lift in there. Is there's a lift in there? Uh, there's a big water tank in there. Why is there a water tank in there? Because that literally is the tank that pressurizes the whole of the, the university, like a big feed and expansion tank that the old. That you'd have in old heating systems in houses that's that was yeah, yeah that's why that's why it was there and there's a clock and there's peregrine falcons nesting in there and all sorts of crazy other stuff um but yeah so in its first case it would be to show people what that's like without having to you know open the doors and let people in um because there's all sorts of health and safety challenges with that but to get mm. a, an insight that's what it'd be useful but you know you've done this copy It's using laser, it's repeatable. Well, I could do it in five years from now and tell me, you know, tell me what's changed by more than 10 millimeters. Yeah, okay, I can do that. Just compare the two things. So it might be that. It might be for modeling the externals of it. It might be because they want to sell versions of Old Joe in the Birmingham University gift shop and they can 3D print (laughs) it uh, from it. Um, It might be for staff onboarding. It might be for um, uh, used as a like the the input material for a training course on how to use the fall arrest system that's in there it might be to um, tell the lift engineer that's never been there what they were dealing with it might be to study the flight paths of peregrine falcons around clock towers Uh, it could be you know somebody will see it and somebody will draw some conclusion about what they could use it for um mm. and that's a fascinating thing it doesn't really change the start process though so the start process is we're going to create a copy what tools are we going to use yeah. to do that so that's that's one at the moment what i want to do um, um uh, i'm i'm really interested in cutting cutting holes in the landscape uh, and not in a okay. really particularly destructive way um but I, and I did a proof of concept to this, actually, uh, and it worked quite well. So I just want to do it bigger now. But loosely, if someone sends me a, a shape, so in this case, I was doing um, a, a proof of concept was for might and hospice. So they got a butterfly as their logo, logo. So I put the butterfly into a piece of CAD software, um, pushed it into a little bit of augmented reality software that uses GPS to you know, locate um the augmented reality so not like you know put a dancing stormtrooper on a table um type stuff it's locate an object in the real world and the real world is defined by its position gps position and then that overlays something on the landscape and then you can use that then to mark out so what i did was um i got this butterfly logo overlaid it on a, a mate's field um used the tool where I could see the butterfly in the real world, walked around with a spray can, just sprayed bits of the field to, for the outline of the butterfly, and then invited my friend around, told him just to bring a strimmer with him. And um, yeah, we cut the shape out of the grass, probably about a you know, 30 meter size butterfly, and then just flew a drone up, and you could see this bit of sort of like, almost like bioterrorism uh so <laughs> to, you know uh, the reason we use grass is sort of grass recovers itself quite nicely mm. um and you know it's you're not you know really damaging um the world um particularly uh, by, by doing that but you are able to create this logo which you know if you're an airplane flying past that week then you've definitely seen that logo um, um on the ground and i'd like to do that bigger thing, a bit like crop circles but you know like yeah the more advanced version where you could do anything. You know, if you want to put your name in the grass, then yeah, just give it out, put it on the ground, and we can cut your name into the into the grass. But it could be done with chalk on concrete as part of like a schooly community engagement thing. It could, at the moment, be done by just telling a load of people, right? There's some flags on the field. Just walk around inside the flags, and you just create a muddy mess with inside the flags that actually may represent. You know something mm. that you can see so it's it's a bit of a like an art, art attack type uh, thing really, i was just so. thinking that one but for the, one for using, the younger you know, generation these tools, these tools are meant for you know checking whether the you know the drain is in the right place or whether that civil engineering flyover piece of work is you know where it, where it should be but yeah misuse that all day long
1: So uh, I, I, absolutely I, I once heard that um I I think they used a cow as as the hypothetical scenario, but as long as you've got the details, you can write a check on anything. I I, I don't know if that's still the case or even if that that is true, but I was told that as long as the details are correct, you can write a check on absolutely anything. And they said if they write it on a cow and took it into a bank, then it would be uh, legit. Um, So I'd quite like to do that in uh in oh. grass right write somebody yeah. a check yeah that'd write be that'd be
0: quite cool to <laughs> hospice you know as a, as a hospice there you yeah. go we'll write write a check let's do that get some donations and we'll just have to update the the final donation amount just before we get the streamers out so brilliant <laughs> or the, <Robo-moers. laughs> let's do it. the robo <laughs> that's a thing but yeah no, something like that <laughs> i mean the interesting thing is i think you've got to do stuff that makes no sense because in you know, mm-hmm. that's a, there's a loose why for that. But in doing that, we said, oh, if you can do a butterfly in a field, then you can definitely do a, a, a new utility supply underneath a main road, can't you? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. But you were more interested in the butterfly. And then you've drawn that conclusion. If I did the utility through the road thing, then you would have probably gone, oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And everybody else would have gone, what about that? Um, I'm yeah. not going to engage and because it's open to everyone this thing and it can impact everyone then you need to sort of find a way to engage everyone so
1: yeah for sure and I love the fact that you brought into it the barriers to entry are can be can be quite small uh, and then it's about understanding what the heck it is and then jumping on board and try trying it and testing it and failing and making sure it's it's right for fit for purpose or whatever you want to do um yeah. derek thank you so much for for coming on i never thought on this podcast we'd talk about uh cakes log flumes holidays uh and old joe um that's yeah. that, that, well, that, they're new ones for me
0: that's construction disrupted then <laughs> <laughs> disrupted yeah yeah i a, think, I think... perfectly good construction tech. next time we'll come on we'll talk about survey control and setting out piles and and things like that if that's useful but um but yeah <laughs> Probably yeah, I, I,
1: absolutely. I think I think we've 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 won the the podcast game there. Uh, <laughs> end of the road, I think, for this podcast. Now <laughs> we've we've won it. Um, yeah, Derek, thank you so so much. Me, absolute pleasure uh, coming on. Thank you for your time. No problem, no problem. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen. If you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode, have a topic. What technology you'd like me to cover, or simply want to say, hiya, you'll find me on LinkedIn or through the emails. Peter at builddifferent.marketing Stay disruptive.